You're listening to Contesting Wrestling Minisode 12, in which we discuss um uh, episode 13. Oh god, this is getting so complicated. <laughs> it's uh, fine. <laughs> it's a running joke at this point, but it, you know, it's once you start actually, you know, doing a lot of episodes, they all kind of blend together. Wrestling fans like things with giant confusing backlogs to sort through, right? Yes, That's, yeah. sure. So Not yeah, as much works. as comic book fans, though, apparently. Uh, we got to get into a crossover, I guess. Yeah. Renumbering kind. and all uh, that yeah. stuff. They should just start WrestleMania again at one. Oh, oh! everyone would be so pissed, but they'd yeah. still watch. There'd probably be <laughs> yeah. greater attendance. And well, the, the real bias. point is that it doesn't matter what they call it. Well, yeah, right, right. I mean, the com- for the comic book industry, the idea is that if they create a new number one, yeah. they're more likely to get new fans to jump on to the book. That makes sense. The old fans complain, but the old fans are reading anyway. Right, and if they're going to stop, you know, if something's in, they won't stop if they still like it. Right. And that's the same thing with, with wrestling, which is what the WWE has said for years as the raw rating continues to decline. Uh, it is at half of what it was a few years ago. It's at a quarter of what it was at its peak almost. It's a little better than a quarter, but, you know, actually not th- than their peak peak episodes. I think they lost a lot of money last year. No, no, no. They made money. because the, Or, or the, they the didn't new, make nearly as much money. The new TV deal came through. They made more money than they ever did. Right. This is the problem with corporations in general once they get there big enough, go. but that's a whole other conversation. It's also, I, I would say, I mean, all viewership of, like, all media except for movies is yeah. down. Yes. Like, no individual TV show gets anywhere near what like an average episode of friends got yes. in the 90s or you know shit like that movies That's... are consistently breaking every single box office thing because people you know i don't know like it's more of an event i guess you and go t- out ticket and prices things. for movies have gone way way up and yeah. it's, and it's yeah. shown that the market can sustain the higher ticket prices so why not uh, also with people uh, over the last 20 years pirating a bunch of stuff the industry has to make its money somewhere and so if it can't get it on the back end, it'll get it on the front end. Yeah. And which really um, privileges movies that have tons of special effects and that you really want to see in the theater because it's this you know larger-than-life experience. It, it also privileges really like dumb movies that can easily be translated to every language around the world without really losing much in translation. It's why the Transformers movies are so big, even though they'll be like, well, this is terrible. Well, I made a billion dollars in China because nothing got lost in translation. Yeah. Um, what are we covering today? So we were talking about the Shinsuke Nakamura episode. Yes, yes. Uh, so just to begin, um, I wanted to clarify something. So he's called the King of Strong Style. And I think we mentioned Strong Style a little bit in an earlier episode. Uh, having read the comic book story of professional wrestling uh, by Citizen and Marino, which I think I accidentally called the comic book history of pro wrestling mm-hmm. when we mentioned it in the last mini-sode. It's the comic book story of professional wrestling. Uh, They distinguish two concepts that I didn't quite understand the distinction between before, between King's Road Mm -hmm. and Strong Style. So here's the deal. Um, The great Ricky Dozen had two great students, Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki. Giant Baba founded All Japan Pro Wrestling and Inoki founded New Japan Pro Wrestling. Giant Baba, uh, the term for his style of wrestling was King's Road, which was very sort of dramatic for the time, more like American wrestling than what had been in Japan previously. And 
Inoki's style was called strong style, which was supposed to be more realistic, more martial arts based. Subsequent um, Japanese pro wrestling, Pororesu, in both companies has been a combination of the two styles, King's Road and Strong Style. So that's that's where all that comes from. Yeah, so we'll we'll get more into the history of Japanese pro wrestling mm-hmm. uh, in later episodes. I think we'll have our friend uh, Dave Kim on. To I, I certainly hope so. Be our pro wrestler correspondent. I talked to him about it. Oh, <laughs> he's good. on board. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's. Dave's a great guy. We we met him online to get into Ring of Honor shows, and we all just became friends. And he's a he's a good dude. I don't see him enough. Uh, and it's just great that we've got the budget now that we can send people to Japan yeah. to report on this <laughs> stuff. Like, oh wait, no, wait, no, that's no, not no, happening. That's not Please support happen. us on Patreon. He's, uh, he's coming from Queens, I think, so I can go back to Japan. Yeah. Yes, uh, Queens, yeah. the Japan of <laughs> Western Long Island. <laughs> No. Korea. No, <laughs> it's, it's Korea not. This, days, yeah. There is no substance to this analogy. No, no. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about this year's Wrestle Kingdom, which just happened. Just some hot takes. Uh, it was two days for the first time. It was two shows, and I think that was, from a creative standpoint, a big mistake. Um, it just like just forty eight straight hours I, of wrestling. I like, <laughs> that's what it felt like. L- let me let me insert something really quickly about that. I have not seen most of it yet. I, I woke up the morning after the second show and watched the main event just because I didn't want to be spoiled on it. But me and my my old tag team partner Simon have made plans to sit there and watch both of them in New Year's Dash in one sitting, and uh, that's going to be about ten hours, I think. Okay. It, it, he he came up to me at New Year's and was like, yeah. "You should join uh, me and Doc while we're going to go watch all of this." And I was like, "You see, this is what I was worried about with this." podcast yeah. is that it's going to get out there and people are going to think that i like wrestling i already had to actually explain to somebody he was like oh you have uh the wrestling podcast right and i was like yeah and he started to talk to me about wrestling and i was like oh no i don't care for it i don't want yeah. it. and he just gave me a look like what are you doing with your life and i was like oh no because that's like the hook of the podcast is that it's funny and he was like so you spend a lot of time doing a thing that you don't like in the hopes that other people will enjoy it. And I was like, well, I, we don't need to put it like that. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to leave. Isn't that sir. capitalism? I mean, yeah. Well, you've, you've enjoyed some of it. I, I have, think, I I think have. the idea is that we're showing you p- bits and pieces and you're looking at oh, it yeah. from an analytical uh, perspective, not just, oh, look, Evan hates this, because that would be entertaining for about 15 minutes. Uh, but it's more to it. You're at the it's, risk of sounding pretentious, you're an intellectual, man. I, you, you, I value what your input on things. No, no, my and only, I value your suffering. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ben's another story. <laughs> Listen, my only point is that it's hard... It is hard to parse to people, yeah. like because people are used to where you either are somebody who enjoys wrestling or you're somebody who not enjoys wrestling. Right. So when someone brings it up to you and then you're like, actually, I exist in this nebulous middle space. Nobody wants to <clears throat> fucking hear about that. Like yeah, no. that's that's pretentious. That's <laughs> like, oh, I am neither a fan nor a non-fan, and so any point you make to me shall be both regarded and dismissed. That's kind of like a hipster, right? Is that what that, that, uh, what that is? All, all that. Um, I would. I always kind of felt that word. I don't think means anything anymore. Sure. But at, at yeah, the time, meant many things over the years. At, at the, it's at, just the culture now. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I would say. Well, I, I think at the height of it, it meant somebody who their ironic appreciation of a thing was so great as to like the the meaningful distinction between liking a thing earnestly. 
and consuming a thing because you don't like it, ironically, just yeah. became so muddied up that you can't tell, if, like, if people like a thing or not, and it's infuriating. If, if you buy a shirt that says Iron Maiden on it with a picture of, like, Eddie, their mascot, because it looks cool, but you've never listened to Iron Maiden, I mean, that's fine. They're marketing those T-shirts. But yeah. if you buy a T-shirt that says Iron Maiden on it with Eddie on it and then tell everybody you know that you don't like Iron Maiden but you just think the T-shirt looks cool, then you're a hipster. <laughs> here's here's my uh, favorite uh, example of this. So this was probably around 2005. I'm walking down the street, and there's this woman wearing a Legion of Doom T-shirt. And Oh. Vintage Legion of Doom WWF T-shirt. What a rush! And I got. I'm very excited to see this, and I say, "Yo, oh, Legion of Doom Road Warriors! Ah, oh, what a rush!" And perhaps she was just, um, you know, fearing for her life because some guy was yelling at her on the street. But she gave me this look of utter disgust, <laughs> and to me, what she was communicating was, "Oh, you actually like this thing." And I, you know, thought that, yes, that that is what a, a hipster is, the person who will judge you for actually liking the thing that they're wearing a T-shirt of, ironically. And a person who has that kind of time on their hands where they can enjoy things that they don't like yeah. for. I mean, not like in the way that I'm doing this for a podcast. <laughs> uh, well, you have a real I've purpose, all, Yeah, man. exactly. I've come around all the way to the other side where I'm like using the fact that I'm wasting my life. Uh, to my own advantage and to further bonds with my friends. But yeah, I remember, like, I remember in um, high school, like, a guy, or like a little after high school, uh, a friend of mine's, like, younger brother uh, was like, I don't know, we were hanging out and he put on, like, this, like, some power metal that, like, power metal was never my favorite metal, mm. but I was like, oh, this band is, I, you know, fine for what they do. And he was like, isn't this great? And I was like, what, how do you mean that? And he was like, oh, it's because it's like, hilarious it was like hilarious bad or like hilarious good and he's like i mean i don't like like it but i was like how often do you listen to this he's like i'm listening to this all the time and i'm like i don't under i don't understand what's happening right the, now the culture around that and, and i think that people at the time didn't realize it is that he actually really liked that but he couldn't actually say that out loud so. because of some yeah. mental block and that's uh, it's sad well and uh, to I, me <laughs> and i can't i really can't judge that because i also i had such a hostile reaction to that at the time yeah. like i had there was a large period in the 2000s where uh as a native new yorker like if i met you and you were from the midwest and you were now living in north brooklyn i like wouldn't talk to you i'd be like i don't i don't want to fucking know you which is a shitty incredibly terrible position for a human being to take it is yeah. i i know i saw i'm saying i sucked i agree i know you know and uh and it was also like it was so virulent that in the last couple years um i have been able to admit to myself that i enjoy the the work of jack white which is like not yeah. a controversial, but I just had this thing in the 2000s the where I was first... like, oh, I can't enjoy this guy because he's the enemy likes him. Yeah, the first feeling you had about him was poor. So, you know, completely disregard yeah. the next 20 years of his work and five bands he's been in and the last notable rock and roll guitar player that had any hits, really. The sad thing <laughs> yeah. is that my first impression of Jack White was actually very positive. Oh, yeah. And then it was only when I saw my peer, because I just heard Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground and was like, this oh, is yeah, a great yeah. fucking song. That is a good song. And then I saw that my peers, some of my peers were like, oh, like the White Stripes, like that's hipster bullshit. And I was like, oh, yeah, 
That's totally what it is. I don't actually like that song. Uh. The first song I heard of theirs actually was kind of sh- It was like, na, 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 na. With the, I don't know. Oh, Fell in Love with a Girl. Yeah, yeah like, maybe. It's a two-minute like Beatles-esque pop song yeah. in a very I, minimalist. Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, I always fucking yeah, like. That's when a really I heard good that one, song. I was like, okay, that one's good. But I, I was right along with you, though. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't the, really like them. Oh, it was like the weird yeah. Lego music video for uh, for uh, well, Seven Nation Army. One it, time I was, at a, I was at a show, and I think you, you may have been this. I think this was at Lollapalooza. We saw... Um, I think it was Audio Slave, and they played Seven Nation Army, and I thought, man, this song sounds much better with a full band. It's been <laughs> a real boon to uh, wrestling crowds. Yes, who yes. Who get to uh, chant many names mm. to the tune of Seven Nation it, Army. It, it, it became a soccer chant um, because, yeah, it's a thing crowd can sing. Uh, I will say for all that, um, I still think the Strokes are trash. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Strokes, yeah. Terrible. Most the of those bands, um, the Hives, the Vines. Let's, oh, most of them dried up. And let's take a moment on this mini-sode also to recognize uh, a, a musical force that I had a very complicated relationship with for years. If we're talking about, uh, you know, really liking something earnestly and then feeling like you have to not like it because it's cool or not cool. Uh, the great Neil Peart, Neil uh, Peart. Yeah just passed away and rush was a band that like i loved as a child and then got older and was like oh i guess this i guess this is cheesy i guess i should enjoy this even and if, then yeah. i only and then only only in the last few years was i able to be like no this is awesome i yeah. love that i love that it is unabashed and earnest and like you know i was it's like i was it's like it's it's working class prog rock it's like if yes all had like with yes drove buses instead of you know Look, even if you don't like rush you have to recognize the greatness of Neil Peart. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just as a drummer. He is, a, he is incredible. His enormous drum set is a thing of legend. And you can get an enormous drum set and not know how to use it, but he knew how to use it. We lost yeah. a couple of great drummers in the last couple of months. Uh, yeah, Ginger, Ginger Baker. Baker. Ginger yeah. Baker, yeah. Um, My dad that, was real sad about that. Uh, a, uh, that drummer that I, I, I feel, murdered. I feel Ginger Baker doesn't quite get his due from the current generation because he didn't die at the time. He didn't die at the time, yeah. and it's uh, yeah. I, I get Cream didn't really yeah. last because we mostly associate Cream with Eric Clapton, who right, was right. not good. Cream was great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Eric Clapton went on to be terrible and is also one of the most openly racist oh, rock no. stars yeah. who ever lived. Uh, Ginger Baker did some great stuff with uh, Masters of Reality. Yes, later yes. on. Yeah, yes. and Fella Cootie really did, worked with Fella Cootie in the seventies and That's like made some fucking really cool shit. Hey. Uh, wrestling? Yes, wrestling. Uh, okay, all right. So, <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom, it shouldn't have been two nights. There, instead of this incredible super card top to bottom that Wrestle Kingdom has been in years past, it was a few really good matches each night with a bunch of filler. Mm-hmm. And the gimmick was, and I'll try not to spoil anything that wasn't already spoiled I mean, for it's, you, it's, you Doc. Know, it's all right. Um, but... You know, the first night, the the gimmick was the winners of the IWGP World and Intercontinental title matches would then wrestle the next night. And it seemed very clear to me uh, that it, the at least the world title match was a foregone conclusion because the, um, the matches that Okada could have had on the second night were way more compelling than the matches Ibushi could have had, despite the fact that Ibushi is my favorite wrestler in New Japan. Uh, I I just knew that that Okada had to win that one, um, and I think really the only really great match of the whole weekend was uh, Osprey Takahashi, Will Osprey versus 
uh, Hiromu Takahashi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. But if it had been one night with just the best matches from the two <laughs> nights, uh, I think it would have been, you know, it would have felt like Wrestle Kingdom where it really didn't. I'm sure they made more money this way. but They, they did. Both shows were well attended. Um, after years of increasing attendance, like it's very hard to sell out the Tokyo Dome. Like you can seat like fifty thousand people in there. Like the second night did thirty thousand, the first night did about forty, and like five or six years ago, they were drawing about twenty five for one night. Like business has gone up significantly. Um, I, I want to mention one thing because I did go to the Tokyo Dome last year for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. They have an amazing policy there, where you can bring alcohol to the venue. You just have to pour it into cups that they provide for you. Oh, and nice. give them the bottles. So you can't throw the bottles. So you can't throw the bottles. Ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> but you are also not forced, if you want to enjoy an alcoholic beverage during the show, you are not forced to buy the you know exorbitantly priced uh, alcohol served at the venue. Uh, oh, yes. that's nice. That's good. Now, I went to the garden recently. They were selling beers for fourteen fifty. Yeah. By the way, yeah. thanks to our friend Danielle, yeah. uh, who has guested on the podcast in the past uh, for telling me about this beforehand so i got to take advantage of it <laughs> that's excellent um a couple of just uh we mentioned brock lesnar's time in new japan yep. he did eventually return to new japan and lost the title to kurt angle so he wasn't <laughs> gonna lose it to a japanese person but he lost it to kurt angle uh i also want to mention i said that new japan just sort of offhand we were talking about it being more progressive than American wrestling in the sense of progressive rock um, or metal. And then I offhand said, oh, it's also a little bit more politically progressive. It really isn't. No, it really isn't. And at all. I mean, it's a kingdom. That sounds like that's not a <laughs> well, very so there, repressive system of government. There are no women wrestling on the show. Oh, yeah, that's also bad. This year, for the very first time, they had a dark match from the women's promotion stardom. But there was a lot of resistance to even having it on the show at all. Wait, so where are they? Because it seems like that there's a lot of great... Japanese female wrestlers, where are they well, wrestling in it, Japan? It's more complicated than just saying, oh, New Japan doesn't use women. Uh, the, the company that owns New Japan, their parent company, just bought Stardom. Stardom is a separate women's league that's a big deal in Japan, um, and the fact that they're owned now by Bushi Road, it's the name of the company, the fact that they're now owned by Bushi Road is going to make them even bigger. The women wrestle in their own leagues. For a long time, it was like, no, there aren't any women in New Japan. They, they wrestle in their own leagues. And the top women in Japan... Or like, well, why would we be fifth? Why would our championship be fifth on the card? Why don't we just main event and have every other match on the uh, card on our own show? Can't really argue against that. Yeah, there, so I can see that. They know? couldn't televise the stardom match because the, of the TV deals of the two companies mm -hmm. as well. Right. It wasn't just, oh, we won't even show it. It's, that's still being worked out. Yeah, so no, I, I, it's definitely complicated. Um, but... The women we do see on the show are all in these like sexy valet roles. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the only show. thing. That's, that's a very specific Japan. role, a sexy valet. Yeah. Well, it's a very common historically in pro wrestling. If it's just the hot chick who walks the wrestler to the ring to look to make it seem like you know he. Oh, is that so? They there is a second term. Chicks. There is a second definition of the word valet in wrestling. Yes, yes, yes. I because uh, I was like, will... oh, you know, she's playing in that classic wrestling trope of the sexy person who parks your car for you at an <laughs> oh, event. Yeah, no, I'm like, not, what? Right, yeah. 
yeah, yes, they, they'll they'll they may like take off the guy's jacket and put it to the side and like you know do some pre-match gotcha. ritualistic stuff. It's like a step below a manager often, but there are right. ways to use a valet to be very effective in a wrestling match. That's yeah. you know that's a bit of another topic. Um, and but then I think in terms of racism, mm. you know the the whole point of the Bullet Club is that they are evil foreigners. Yes. So uh, to, for the most part, there's definitely some xenophobia happening. Yeah. At least we don't have any of that in America. <laughs> what? No, I mean, I, well, that's the thing is, I think yeah. WWE has gotten in some ways better about mm. that in recent years, though not all I, the yeah. time. I, I am astonished watching some recent WWE, which I had no knowledge of, and know that it is better than what I remember it. Like it's, I, I was on when we started this podcast. I was honestly expecting modern wrestling to be identical to 1997 wrestling. I was, uh, you know, or or 2005. Oh, yes. Well, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that later. Jesus. Uh, Jesus listen Christ. to our Royal Rumble episode for some outrage uh, on that score. Um, yeah, no, I mean, name any other art form that hasn't progressed in 23 yeah. years that's still relevant the way wrestling is and the way the WWE is. Especially and, the past five years. Yeah, and they have done a very good job purely of integrating their roster with international uh, uh, people and people of different ethnic backgrounds. And they have way more women in respectable roles than they used to have. Um, I, I still I still don't trust them to be actually oh, no. progressive. I think they're doing that so people will be fooled into thinking they're progressive, when in fact people should just wrestle for other leagues and do other well, things yeah. than it's the like, WWE. It's like, it's like woke brands now, where just like right, Pepsi exactly. figured out, like, yeah. oh, like if we're inclusive, then we'll make more money and right. can extract more free limited drinking water out of the ground. Which was always the case with it. wrestling, going back to Sputnik Monroe, right, right. who you uh, you taught me about a while ago, Doc, yeah. who um, was the first person to racially integrate wrestling crowds so that he could sell tickets to black yeah. people. Like, yeah. was... As as uh, people have put it about, like Bill Watts, oh, the only color he sees is green, which, I mean, to say that and think that's not full of problems in and of itself yeah. is very like, unaware. Is uh, it better than open white supremacy? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. But, Don't think I'm implying but, yeah, that it's yeah. not. You know? Yeah, no, in the same way. Like, his, what, his head booker was, was a black man. His top star was a black man, and he did that purely so he could make more money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, oh, I was shocked at how progressive the WWE is. No, no it's just it's just was it was wasn't as bad as I thought it was going yeah. to be. Uh, so Evan, you also talked about AJ Styles' beautiful eyes. Yes, on on several different episodes now. I think I've talked about and, that. And this has been a, a theme. I remember Bret Hart talking about why Roman Reigns wasn't getting over with the crowd that well, and he said. And I don't know if this is before or after Roman started wearing blue contacts. What? <laughs> but um, he said there's no softness in his eyes. And that's why he's not getting over as a babyface. And so that's, I mm. think, you know, it's an important part of, of people liking you. I don't know if it requires that you have blue eyes. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a... I mean, Roman Reigns, honestly, man, Roman Reigns has... I feel like he's just not doing the great modeling career that awaits him. Like, that's really what it is. He oh, yeah. would crush it as a male model, make a great living, like, do really well, like, still experience adult adulation. Maybe it's just because he's from the family. 
and well, like, and like it's like frowned upon. He had the opportunity certainly thrust upon him. Like him and the Usos were all just regular guys working regular jobs, and some of their relatives like, "What are you doing? You guys, you know, you look great. You're, you you can be athletic. Come, let's let's give you a shot. Come on, give it a shot." And they're all very successful. Speaking of the family, I was wrong that Haku is part of the Samoan family. Okay. Um, I was confused because his longtime tag team partner in the Islanders in the WWF, who was also confusingly called the Tonga Kid for a while, yeah. but was also called Tama, yeah. and Haku, one of his sons, is named Tama Tonga. Tama Tonga, right. Tama, the original Tama, the yeah. Tonga Kid, he is part of the Samoan family. All right. So, I know. just hope that <laughs> one day Samoa Joe just fucks to the point where he can start a second unrelated Samoan <laughs> wrestling dynasty. That would be great. I That would be kind of cool if they made that a storyline eventually. Oh, Maybe sure. with Reigns versus Joe at Mania or something like that. Anytime that looks like they're going to start doing it, they just they just don't. I don't know why, man. But. They got to give Joe more compelling. You know, WWE books Joe better than TNA did, yes. for sure, but still I don't think are giving him his due. No, I agree. Joe could do more, way more than he does. Um, I, one last thing uh, that I have to talk about. Uh, our uh, good friend and patron, uh, Thomas, mentioned on Twitter that he remembers hearing Shawn Michaels talk about the WrestleMania 11 finish. Mm. This is going back a couple episodes um, where Diesel gave him the worst powerbomb ever. And Thomas remembers Sean saying that he botched the finish on purpose so they wouldn't replay it, him losing, and that the next night on Raw, his taking three power bombs from Psycho Sid was punishment for that. Now, this doesn't, I, I, I don't deny that Shawn Michaels said that. Yeah. But it, it, I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, I don't, it yeah they, they don't, they don't right punish guys by like. They don't punish guys by taking a beating from the heel so you can become the biggest babyface in the company. That's not how that works. This sounds to me like him protecting his friend Nash. Yeah, probably. This is not related. <laughs> Do you think Brock Lesnar's nice? I think Brock Lesnar's nice if you meet him completely removed from the wrestling business. If you're another farmer in Saskatchewan, he's probably a stand-up guy. Because that's that's the rest of his life. He is a farmer in Saskatchewan by choice. Do you know what he farms? I don't know. He owns he owns a lot of land. I presume he himself doesn't do much farming, but that's all he did when he was a kid. Like I saw an interview with Jim Cornette who, who had a big hand in training Brock Lesnar and he said one of the troubles with training Brock Lesnar is that I speak sometimes in like metaphors and references and he couldn't get any of it and, he, and he'd say like instead of running across the ring take a few steps in place and then start running like in the cartoons where they start running and going and brock would be like i never watched cartoons i was just working on the farm brock just no farm and suplex yes brock just no <laughs> farm and suplex <laughs> uh so yeah i bet you if you if you could relate to him on another level just like he likes to hunt because he lives in saskatchewan yeah. And, uh, it is. He doesn't use like a bow or a gunnery. He's just out there suplexing deer. Right. <laughs> if anybody could yeah. do it, man, it's Brock Lesnar. 
difficult. That's all I had. I was just wondering That's that. That's good. That's a good observation. Speaking of Lesnar, uh, in this episode 13, we mentioned the Brian Brock Lesnar match and said that yeah. we'd show it to Evan eventually. We did show it to Evan in a episode that aired even earlier than that. Oh, right. So yeah. go yeah. check that one out. <laughs> that one featuring Mitchell Fesh as our special guest. Oh, that's right. We watched that was Fesh's idea. We were very happy. Alrighty. This has been Contesting Wrestling Mini Sode, the number that this mini sode is. Twelve. Twelve. That's Twelve. one of those. I uh, only that was a test in front of me on my notes. <laughs> um thank you so much. Uh make sure to listen to um this upcoming Monday. You're gonna hear me watch three fucking royal rumbles and give my feelings about that and we are going to be joined by our now semi-regular two regular full-time contesting wrestling staff member betsy ross be a good time uh thank you uh support us on patreon patreon.com slash contesting wrestling you get a premium episode every week it's fantastic follow us on twitter at contesting w Goodbye.